Well, it is good to see you today. I don't know about you. Uh, did you do the same thing I did this week? In the same week, in fact, in like the same 72-hour period, I complained openly that it was too cold and that it was too hot. Did anyone else do that this week? I did that this week. It was both too cold and too hot this week. But I hope you're enjoying the warmer weather today. Uh, and it is good to see you. It's good to be, good to be in worship. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, uh, you know that we've been in this series that we're calling, I Follow Jesus, and then we're asking some questions. And really what we're doing in asking and answering these questions is we're talking through the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is it that he does? I like uh, one of the things that I heard Andrew Berberian say a couple weeks ago, which, by the way, uh, Andrew and Rosemary Berberian and, and a lot of our young adults are at the well retreat right now this, this weekend. They're finishing up this morning, so we pray that God's really moving in those groups. Uh, it's been amazing to see that group grow and the great group that is away. The, the girls are in some plush Airbnb. The guys are roughing it outdoors. Uh, hopefully they all make it back okay. Uh, and we pray that God does an amazing work even this morning as they finish. But Andrew said a couple of weeks ago, he said, the, the Holy Spirit is not a commodity that you get more of. And sometimes that's how we treat the Holy Spirit, that the, the Holy Spirit is not a commodity that you somehow earn more of, buy more of. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity with whom we develop a deeper relationship over time. Just as we develop a deeper relationship with God the Father, just as we develop a deeper relationship with God the Son, that is Jesus Christ, so too we develop over time a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been talking about over these past couple of weeks. And so we said on the first week, we said, I follow Jesus, but why did he have to leave? And we looked at the gospel of John where Jesus says, it's actually good for you that I leave so that the Holy Spirit will come. And then the next week we asked this question, I follow Jesus, but why do I still sin? And we talked about the battle that goes on. And we used Romans chapter eight in Paul's words there, talking about the, the battle that goes on in my heart and your heart between the power of the flesh and the power of sin. And my guess is uh, even this morning somewhere, you've probably experienced that. Right When someone spoke out of turn or when they cut you off driving to church this morning, the battle between the power of flesh and the power of the spirit. And we talked about how it's, we're in process. We are in process. We are being sanctified over time, becoming more like Christ through the Holy Spirit, but we're not there yet. Last week we said, uh, I follow Jesus, but how do I know that I'm moving in the right direction? We went to Galatians chapter five and we talked about the fruit of the spirit. That Paul says, if you're deepening relationship with the Holy Spirit, that these, this character, these nine things will, will produce themselves inside of you. And now we're going to ask a little bit of a different question. We're going to say, I follow Jesus, but what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And listen, I... I don't usually come up on stage here or get before the church and talk about other churches. But there's a church that I've been reading about over the past couple of weeks uh, that I feel like I need to, I should just bring up uh, to all of us, just for us to consider. Sometimes I, I hear people that come to me, Pastor, did you hear about this church? Did you hear about that church? Did you hear what's going on here? You should talk about that. And many times I just don't, 
feel like God's calling me to do that, but this church I need to talk about. I need to warn you about this church because uh, it's, a, it's a church that is alive and vibrant, and yet it's a church that has a few things happening in it that you and I need to be aware of. See, the first thing that happens in this church is that the church is full of people that call themselves Christians, uh, and yet they haven't fully left the lifestyles that they had before they came to Christ. In fact, you can see in the gathering that the gatherings in this church are vibrant and that they are uh, exciting. And yet, if you looked at the lives of the individual people, you would see that even though they call themselves Christians, that it is okay for these people in their lives to go out and do the things that they used to do before they knew Jesus, that their behavior has not changed. And I think about the fruit of the spirit that Paul talked about last week. That's one of the things that he talks about in Galatians chapter five, that if you are deepening relationship with the spirit, not only will this character produce yourself in its, not only will character be produced in your life, but also your actions will change. They'll become more like Christ, he says. That's one problem with this church. The other problem with this church is that it is full of division. In fact, it has like a class system in it, if you look closely. And I know some of you have seen this. There are, there is, are the in people And there are the the out people. And if you look closely at this church, you'll see that the in people tend to be the people that have money and influence and authority. And the out people tend to be the the poor. In fact, this, this church, when they gather, they have meals many times. And I've read that during these meals, uh, some people eat everything while other people get nothing. That the people in influence and authority, the VIP group, will even over-consume alcohol at these gatherings, whereas those truly in need get nothing. But I will say something about this church. Its gatherings are alive with the Spirit, but so much so that they're chaotic. There's very little organization In fact, everybody has a song to sing, everybody has a word to say, everybody has a tongue to speak, and they're doing it all over the top of one another, so much so that when people come in off the street, uh, they, they have no idea what is happening in the life of this church, and yet it's a congregation that is known and is celebrated by some. The church I'm talking about is in Corinth, Greece, and it existed about 50 AD, so... If you're ever in Corinth, Greece, like if someone shows up, an old guy, crazy inventor shows up with a DeLorean, right? And tells you that he can take you back to 50 AD Corinth, Greece. Or if a guy named Rufus shows up on your front lawn with a telephone booth. Thank you, Justin. I know I'm getting old. My only movie uh, reference is like 1987, right? Uh, Maybe there's a newer movie about time travel. But if you ever find yourself in 50 AD in Corinth, Greece, you want to watch out for this church. It's the church to whom Paul writes the letter of 1 Corinthians. And this is what's happening there. It's division in the church. They haven't fully left the lifestyle that they said they would leave or were called to leave when they began to follow Jesus Christ. And their gatherings are full of the gifts of the Spirit, but so much so that they're just, they were just chaotic. And people were speaking over the top of each other. And 
This morning we're talking about, well, what are we supposed to do as believers? And we're talking about spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. They're different than fruit of the Spirit. Different than moral behavior that you should have. More God-like behavior that you should have in your life as you, differ in, as you deepen relationship with the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are something very different. And we're going to look at what Paul wrote to this church about the gifts. Not, we can't, don't have time to look at all of it today. There's really three full chapters. You could read chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. We have time to look at part of chapter 12 today. But we're going to look at what Paul says to this church about how they're using the spiritual gifts. And you know what I, I would find really interesting this morning? Is as we go through this, I'd like for you to be considering. This is the question I've asked myself over the last couple of weeks. If Paul wrote a letter to us about how we use the gifts of the Spirit, what might he say? And I know that's a little speculative, but sometimes I think that's how God speaks to us. This is what Paul wrote to this church. This is a very particular letter. They had issues. And it would be very easy for us to say, listen, they have issues. People would come and they would speak in tongues and they'd be all speaking over the top of each other. And no one could understand what was happening. And so Paul tells them in chapter 14, get order into your service. And I could preach that and we could walk away. And they would say, and we would say, well, if we ever get to the point that tons of people are speaking in tongues over the top of each other, we'll make sure to have order. But that's not where we are. So what would Paul say to us? What is the Holy Spirit saying to us? That's the question as we look at this. And I actually would love to hear from you this morning. In fact, I would ask you right now just to either write down this phone number. We've used this in the past in sermon series, the same number. But you could write down this number or you could just plug it into your phone quickly. Some of you probably have it saved from a past sermon series. And I would like for you to text this number. In fact, I already have some texts uh, from the first service in Burlington, what people said they felt like God was saying to them about the use of the spiritual gifts. And I mean, in our community, if Paul was to write to us, if God was to speak to us directly, what might he say to us about the use of the gifts in our community? I'd love to hear some of your thoughts and they truly come in anonymous. We have no idea who sends them. But that's one thing I want you to be thinking about as we get into this. So let's start here. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse one, Paul has, has just talked to the church about um, how, to, how to partake in the Lord's Supper together. And you may recognize some of those verses if you've received communion here at, at Mount Hope in Belmont. Uh, I use those verses often in our time together. And so we get into chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. One of the things that I hope you take out of those verses that Paul is giving to the early church and that the Holy Spirit is still using to speak to us this morning is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have spiritual gifts given to you by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you believe that when I say that, but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have spiritual gifts that are given to you by the Holy Spirit. In fact, did you catch what he said in verse 11 in that last verse of the section we just read? All these, those are the gifts, are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to, to who? To each one individually as he wills. See, for the church in Corinth, they understood this. From everything that we read, they, they knew they had spiritual gifts. They, they overdid the spiritual gifts, so to speak. And not only did they overdo them, but one of the reasons that we hear Paul talking about the variety of gifts here, did you hear him use that word? The variety of gifts is because the church in Corinth had started to, to value certain gifts over the others. And so they would value the people that had those gifts over the others. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But what I want you to know and I want you to realize this morning is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift that's been given to you by the Holy Spirit. And I'm not sure that everyone that walks in that's a follower of Jesus recognizes that because we are so used to being observers, aren't we? We're so used to being participants. We're so used to being a part of the team. In fact, it works that way in our jobs and in our workplaces that we find a few people that are, that are exceptionally gifted and they get to be at the top and then we all kind of follow through along with them. And it works that way in the classroom that we find one person that knows the most and we put them at the front of the room and, and then we all kind of listen to them and do what they say. But what Paul is talking about here looks like something different than that. And so often we come into the church and this is how we treat being a follower of Jesus Christ is that we take a few people that we feel like have exceptional gifts and we put them on the stages. And, and if they're really exceptional, we put them on bigger and bigger and bigger stages. And then we all kind of fall in line and we follow that person as they use their gifts. But Paul's talking about something different here. Paul's reminding us that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not an observer when it comes to spiritual gifts. You are to be a participant. And I think that many people in the church today have a little bit of what's called uh, imposter syndrome when it comes to the spiritual gifts. A 
About eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, I can't remember exactly, my friend Justin Joseph here, who loves wearing the same squared shirts that I love wearing. We just always have to make sure they're not the same color every Sunday. He called me up and he said, he said, listen, uh, Justin is a professor at BU's College of Communication. And he said, we're looking for someone uh, to teach public speaking at night to undergraduate students. I think you could do it. I think, I think you would do a good job. And he said, plus, we already went through 200 people that didn't want to do it. And you're next. No, he didn't say that. And so I said, well, that sounds like an, uh, an interesting opportunity. And, and, uh, and so I came and I went through the interview process and they gave me the opportunity to teach. And I, I'll never forget that, that moment of walking into a classroom building. I've walked into between seminary and undergrad. I've walked into many college buildings, but I've always been the student. And the professors, they knew everything. They were always in charge. But to walk into a building now and supposedly be the professor of these students that were going into communication and journalism and me just having all my degrees in ministry and, and all of those things, I felt like I didn't really belong. I thought to myself, what am I going to say to these students that are going into all these professions about public speaking? I mean, I know that I preach and I know that I'm up in front of people speaking, but what am I going to say? All I could come up with is something like, listen, if you're going to do public speaking, you need to be out in public and you need to speak. That was, that was the best line that I could come up with. And I thought to myself, I, it's $62,000 a year to go to Boston University, okay? $62,000 a year. It's probably more than that now, right? I mean, that's insane. Well, I'll, I'll leave my comments to myself. $62,000 a year, right? That means $31,000 a semester. You take like four classes a semester. That meant every student in my, that's how my brain works. Every student in my class was paying over $7,000 for this class. And there were 20 students in the class. That's over $140,000. And all I could think to myself is these kids are getting ripped off. But you know, I did it and it went okay. And I did it again and it went better. And I did it, it got better and better. And you know, I'll never forget the first time that someone asked me to preach. I was a junior in high school and my youth pastor at my church had, had kind of seen that God was doing some things in my life. And so we had this big outreach event. And I, I, many of you know, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and Creighton University is, is located right downtown Omaha. And we rented out Creighton University's field house, like six basketball courts all side by side. And we did this big outreach. And we had a couple hundred high school students there at this event. And my youth pastor had come to me and he said, I want you to preach a message uh, to the students that come and just share the gospel. And I had never even considered doing that before. And I didn't really feel like I, I wanted to do that. <laughs> I mean, what, would I, what was I going to say? But you know what? I got up there and I did it and it went okay. And I got asked to do it again and again and again. And some of you are saying to yourself, well, pastor, you got a lot of growing to do, but I'll tell you, I'm getting better over time.
You have a spiritual gift that is given to you by the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have it. And until you start moving in it, until you start using the gift, you're never going to be doing what God is calling you to do and who he's calling you to be. And you're not going to experience the work of the Holy Spirit in your, in your life the way that you could until you begin moving in the gift that God has given you. And it might be easy to think, well, pastor, if, if, I, don't, if I don't use my gift... If I don't feel comfortable in this, if I don't feel confident enough to start doing this, I mean, it's just, it's just me that I'm hurting. I mean, yeah, I miss out. But no, you don't. It's not just you. And Paul makes that clear at the end of this chapter. I'm going to skip forward a little bit. We're going to look at verse 27 of chapter 12. And individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a more excellent way. Paul says this, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given a gift by the Holy Spirit, but your spiritual gift is not for you. It's not for you. It is for the church. Your spiritual gift is not for you. It is for the church. Paul comes in and says, listen, you need to realize as you come together, 1 Corinthians uh, believers, as you come together, 1 Corinthian church, first, or Corinth church, Corinth Christians, as you come together, you need to understand that your, your hymns, your prayers, your words, your speaking in tongues, it's not just for you. It's not to put on a show. It's not to outdo one another in being the most uh, spirit-filled person in the room. That's not the goal of this. It is for the church to build up the body, Paul says. And Paul says there have been given among the church various gifts, all, and if we were to read the verses in between, all with an important part to play. He says, you are the body of Christ. And if maybe you're familiar with some of these verses. He kind of goes through and he says, you know, we need the ears and we need the eyes and we need every part of that body. We need all the gifts operating together to be the church. And he gives us some specific gifts here. And this is not an exhaustive list to find an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts in the scripture. We'd have to go multiple places. But he, he names some gifts here. And so I just want to take a moment, if I can, and go through them and give a brief definition of what I think Paul is referring to. He says that God has appointed in the church first apostles. Apostles, uh, it means sent ones. They're leaders. And many people believe that, that apostles could only exist in the time of Jesus because they needed to be sent by Jesus himself. And there's disagreement among Christians on that, but there is a leadership spiritual gift that Paul mentions 
elsewhere. I tend to believe that apostles do need to be sent by Jesus so that the 12 disciples were apostles and that Paul was an apostle. apostle. But Barnabas is an apostle. He's referred to as an apostle as well. Uh, and so there's, that's, that's what it is. They're the ones that go first. They're the church planners. They're out there making, taking the lead, the apostles. So there's a question as to whether or not there's apostles in today's church. But all the rest of these gifts certainly are in the church. And certainly we have leaders in the church. Second prophets. Interesting how Paul seems to create a hierarchy of gifts here. Second prophets. Prophecy is not necessarily what we think it is sometimes. Prophecy is not just saying what's going to happen in the future. Prophecy is not saying it's going to rain on Tuesday. That's not necessarily prophecy. Prophecy can be that, that God could tell a prophet what's going to happen in the future. But prophecy is, is as much forth-telling as it is foretelling. That it's as looking at what's happening today and how people are living and what is going on and talking about where that will take you. If you follow God with your life, this is where you'll go. If you continue to disobey God in your life, this is where you will go. It's forth-telling prophecy, declaring truth. Third teachers, those are the ones who are able to explain the word, explain what God is saying and doing. Then miracles, the Holy Spirit would empower some to be able to do wonders so that God is honored and glorified and praised. Then gifts of healing, restoration, gifts, gifts of, of helping if, if healing is a gift that allows someone to be restored physically or restored emotionally, helping is the person that comes alongside you. Do you ever have someone like this in your life? The person that is amazing at coming alongside of you and walking with you through things that helps those in need. When someone's in need, this is the person that comes along and, and knows how to help. Administrating, the person that knows how to organize and put it together. And then Paul says, in various kinds of tongues. And we're going to talk more about tongues in a couple of weeks on Pentecost Sunday. But let me say very quickly that there are uh, three types of tongues that, that I see in Scripture. One is that you have uh, tongues in which somebody speaks and they speak in the language of someone else that they don't know. There is, uh, that's the Greek word for that is xenolalia. There is also glossolalia in the New Testament in which that is, is more of a, an utterance, a language that cannot be understood, but, but happens maybe personally when people pray and are filled with the spirit. And then there's a corporate gift where one person would speak in a language that the majority of people don't understand or no one understands and that another person would have the ability to interpret that gift or interpret that tongue for the congregation. And so we're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks, but I, I, believe, that's, I believe that's what Paul is talking about here. And he gives that list, which we ought to pay attention to as well, because we tend to value certain gifts above the rest. It's interesting to Paul speaking to this church that has a strong value on speaking in tongues. 
that Paul lists these other gifts even ahead of them in his hierarchy. It's something to think about there. But spiritual gifts are from the spirit for the church, Paul is saying. You're part of the body and God's given you things to use. And you think, well, I don't, I don't really have any spiritual gifts. But my guess is the spiritual gifts in your life are more obvious than you want to recognize. That they are there for you. And that there's more gifts that God gives than are listed in this passage that it would be worth going back through the scripture and seeing. I think about uh, Exodus chapter 31. Where God says that he has put his spirit in two men named Bezalel and Oholiab. And you know what he empowers them to do by his spirit? God empowers them to craft the different elements of the temple. To put this place, to, get, to put the temple together. To build the things that people like Moses and Aaron had no ability to do. Stephen, Sharon, Viola, who renovated this entire building. And I truly believe that the Holy Spirit empowered them with those gifts and they did things that I can't do and that you can't do. And other people in this church lended their skill set, empowered by God's spirit, so that we might benefit and be able to gather for worship. My wife, Lori, is a CPA and accountant. Are you nervous what I'm going to say right now? Yes, you are. And I'll tell you, I don't know anyone who can use Excel like she can. She is a Microsoft Excel wizard, all right? If there's something that you don't know how to do in Microsoft Excel, I don't care what it is. You call Lori, I promise you, she knows how to do it. I don't care how technical it is, she knows. We had a... We had a, a little get together at our house, little barbecue. And she came to me and she had a spreadsheet created for the 15 people that were coming to our house and all that we needed and everything that, and I looked at it and she was changing numbers and other cells were changing in the spreadsheet. And I really believe that you could have run a 10 to $15 million company off our cookout spreadsheet that she had created. And anytime there's been a big event at this church, people will come to her and say, can you do the seating chart? And it just happens in her head. She remembers all, everyone that everyone who said they wanted to sit by, who knows who, and how it's all going to go together. And she just lays it out. And she loves working on it. It's just obvious. She's an administrator. She has that gift of organization. There's all sorts of assessments out there and things that you can take to figure out your spiritual gifts. But my guess is if you honestly have with some self-awareness, go before the Lord and say, God, what gift have you given me? And you seek out the scripture and you see that when you put it into practice, people respond and you provide value to the whole. You're close to the way that God's gifted you. Ask a trusted friend. Ask another Christian, brother or sister. Love each other enough to be honest with each other.
There's all sorts of people in the life of the church that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And you go home afterwards and you say to yourselves, holy moly, did you hear that person playing the violin today? That was brutal. And you go home and you say to yourself, oh my goodness, they said they were going to organize that thing and that thing was a disaster. But the reality is people are filling in the holes because no one else would organize it and no one else would play. So often I can't help but wonder if we say to ourselves, oh man, that that video stuff was really tough today. And then we go home throughout the week and we go to our job as a video coordinator and producer. We go home and we play the piano at home. We go home and throughout the week we run a team of people with a $20 million budget. And then we go, I don't know when that church is going to get their act together in organization. No, God's gifted you in organization. God's gifted you to bless the body. And we miss out when we don't use our spiritual gifts that God has given us. And I was trying to think of the times in my life when, when I've been blessed by someone else being bold enough to step into the spiritual gift that God has given them. And I can't help but think about, and I know I mentioned it before, but so forgive me, but in January, when we were over here and we had a time of prayer and small groups in the service, some of you were here for that. And I was standing in my group over here and one couple shared that they had been praying for a long time that God would provide them with a baby. And another gentleman, not so that he would be um, honored and not so that he would be praised, but in fact, he was very timid. He said, I don't, I don't usually do this. I don't know why I'm saying this. But when we were in prayer, the Holy Spirit told me that, that you're going to have a baby. And they took a pregnancy test that Tuesday and they were pregnant. I was blessed by that. When I was on sabbatical last year for a couple of months, God blessed my sabbatical by me getting COVID. <laughs> and so I, I was supposed to go into to churches, different churches, but I couldn't for a few weeks. And, uh, and so I stayed home. And uh, rather than watch a different church online, I just watched my favorite church online. That was this one. And I was sitting there at home and the service ended, and I saw someone walk up to the front and talk to Andrew. I could see it at the front. And Cassie Vanderlaan got up here and said, I have a word for the church. I feel like the Holy Spirit's given me a word. And there I was in the basement of my house by myself. Only Jackson could come visit me because he, he and I were in it together. And I was so blessed by that. That word that was bold enough to be shared. And I can only, I, I can't even count the number of times I've been at an altar in my walk with the Lord where someone has come and laid their hand on my shoulder and just prayed either in tongues or just prayed so that I could understand. And I felt the, the power of the Holy Spirit as people exercise their gifts.
I wonder what Paul would write to us. He told the church in Corinth, tone it down. Tone it down. But what would he write to us? I really considered this for myself this week. I think God would say to me, that I don't leave enough space in our gathering for the Holy Spirit to truly move. I think if Paul was writing a letter to me as your pastor, he would say, you need to provide more space and more direction for the Holy Spirit to move, for people actually to use those gifts. So I'm going to try to do that more. I think that if Paul wrote the letter to me, he would say, you need to be more direct with people and not just waiting for someone to step up, but encouraging people to step up and do the things that God's calling them to do. So I'm going to try to do that more. I tend to be someone who's very concerned about things ending when they're supposed to end. I don't like sitting in meetings that go on and on. But I think if Paul was writing to me, he would tell me I'd be less concerned about putting time limits on when the Holy Spirit can work in the gathering. What do you think Paul would write to you? What would he write to our church? I'm going to invite the worship team up as we prepare to close. And Rebecca, yeah, thanks for putting that number up there again. I would love to hear. Take a moment and pray about this. What do you think Paul would write to us? Someone in the first service in Burlington wrote, they said, I, I feel like God is calling me to step into having the overflowing experience of tongues. Someone wrote, I am really sensing a call to teach and preach the gospel. However, as a woman, there's been pushback in a former congregation as they don't allow women to teach. And I'm in prayer about how to surrender to that call. Hmm. Someone put, I feel like I need to call more people to get involved and participate. Someone said, I feel like God speaks to me in dreams, but I'm not quite sure how to use that yet. Keep seeking out the Holy Spirit. Someone writes, we are a society that feels and believes that, that I get things done, that it's on me. But we need to be reminded that it's the Spirit 
who moves. What's God saying to you this morning? You have spiritual gifts that are given to you by the Holy Spirit for the body. We need you to step into them. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment? Holy Spirit, I thank you for the way that you have gifted your people, that we might participate in ministry, that we might be built up so that others might come in and not just hear about you, but also experience the reality of your presence. That as we gather, our, our, uh, we might experience your presence so that our faith is built up, so that we are strengthened in our faith. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move among us in a fresh and new way. God, I pray for the person who's trying to step into a gift for the very first time. Lord, grant them courage and wisdom and understanding. I pray that you would surround them with mature brothers and sisters in Christ that would be able to guide them and lead them. Father, we want to be the community that you call us to, but we cannot do it without your spirit. So Holy Spirit, move.